everybody back to a new episode of the UW Film Club podcast where each week we invite a member of the club onto the show to talk about a film of their choice, whether it be good, bad, topically relevant, or anything in between. It's all on the table. I'm your host, Ron Patel, and this is actually going to be part two of our annual Top 10 podcast. Um, if you want to check out the last episode, part one, where we talked about just our thoughts on 2021, honorable mentions that didn't make any of our lists, and 10 through 5 on our list as well, um, I would highly recommend you check that out. Um, otherwise, um, enjoy the second part, which is going to be our conversation on all of our collective films from 4 through 1. All right, so now we are going to go to our number fours. We're going to go with PJ. Your number four, which is not shared amongst anybody, it is? It is Sardar Utham, uh, an Indian film. Um, it's a, a biopic about the titular Sardar Utham. Well, his real name is Utham Singh, but he's gone by other names. And uh, so it's about a... He's a Indian socialist revolutionary from Punjab, and he witnesses a mass, just an enormous massacre by British troops on Indian protesters. And he makes it his life mission to assassinate the people uh, responsible. And so the film follows his journey as he sort of makes his way to England. And then he waits for a really long time. And, and then it's not a spoiler to say this, one, because it's historical and because the way the film is really nonlinear in the way it tells it, and this the he eventually assassinates Michael O'Dwyer, who was the real governor of Punjab at the time, who approved the the measure to do the assass uh, the massacre, and that happens really early on in the film. Like early on in the film, you see him assassinate him, and then we see, he goes to prison, and sort of like as they're like repeatedly torturing him, trying to figure out you know his associates and such. We sort of go in and out of his past, different times in his past, back in India or back in England. And really, it's just like, maybe it's definitely the most emotionally, or maybe not the most because of what my number one is, but one of the most emotionally intense films I've ever seen. Uh, it's just, it is utterly unflinching in its depiction of just this brutal anti-colonial violence and... It has the courage to eschew any notion of a gray area or questioning his actions. Instead, it's more of a justification of his actions, which is a really interesting twist um, and something that a Western-made film of this character would never have done. And so it's like this really long, almost three-hour epic, including one scene towards the end where you actually see the massacre happen that's just excruciatingly long. It's about an hour long where you see everyone get killed and he shows up later and is just endlessly ferrying like wounded bodies back and forth from the hospital and the place where the massacre took place and it's just like just overwhelmingly insanely powerful and everything that builds up to that point it's just it, it culminates really well at the end like I don't know I, I have a hard time describing it it's just like it's just the rage that it fills you with is so palpable and so affecting and sort of but it imbues it with the beauty of the life that he had before and the 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 quest that he took upon afterwards and then there's these moments of 
revolutionary solidarity with other anti-colonial movements. Like, for example, there's a scene where he's negotiating an arms deal with some IRA figures located in London, and he's like, you, you've seen bloody... The IRA guy's like, why should I trust you? And he's like, you saw Bloody Sunday. I've seen Bloody Sunday every day. I haven't slept a day since. And, like, it's just, like, this solidarity that's, like, really beautiful, and then it's filled with these moments of where you see just like the horrors of imperialism and it's just a really really fantastic film and everyone should watch it really even though it's gonna leave you a wreck so yeah. <laughs> i mean that sounds that sounds really good yeah um, there's a lot of like you said this is from india right yeah yeah there's a lot of really fantastic indian film that i think goes under the radar uh, in other countries which is really sad because a lot of really good stuff is coming out of india especially recently yeah definitely my parents want to watch more indian hindi films with me or indian films in general so i think we'll start there for family fun Ooh, oh yes <laughs> <laughs> i mean please do i mean honestly Get your family to, like, research this guy as well, because... I just looked up his Wikipedia page. He... So one of the things he did is he tattooed a name on his arm. I can't remember exactly. I'm gonna forget. He's sick. So he has, like... He said... He wrote his name on his arm, and it was, like... I can't remember the name of the sick god, so mm-hmm. I'm sorry. But it was, like, the sick word, the Hindu word, and then Muhammad and his last name. And that's what, like... It was supposed to represent Indian national yeah. unity. Mm-hmm. Um, he before. is the name Ram Mohammed Singh Azad, which represents the three major religions of India right. and is not mm-hmm. anti-colonial settlement. Right. That's interesting. Mm. Yeah, so, yeah. No, it's, it's it's really, really fantastic film. And Where the is ending it? is spectacular. It's on Prime. Amazon Prime. So. Cool. Alrighty. Bless you. But to be clear, the scene with the massacre is extremely long and they go into extreme detail. And so... If you're squeamish about that sort of thing, be aware of that because yeah. it's it's, yeah. it's it's upsetting. It can be upsetting, yeah. Extremely upsetting. Yeah. Cool. All right, then I guess we will then jump to number four for Sydney, which I don't believe is on anybody else's top ten. But what is it? It's quite the tone shift. Oh, <laughs> oh gosh, uh, Red Rocket. Um. Red Rocket is a film by Sean Baker, starring Simon Rex. Uh, it is about it is about um, it's kind of I don't know if someone could put this in better terms. It's it's loosely based off of like Simon Rex's own experience in the adult film entertainment business, but it's basically about this guy named Mikey Saber who is like a porn star who left his golf. Texas Gulf Coast town to like make it big in Hollywood and um, he made quite a few films and successful but then came back and it's kind of about his reception back in that town after like 17 years of being gone Um, and it kind of follows his story as he tries to like literally just like get by um, with like basically no money and like no little to no relationships left there. Um, I love it because Nobody does slice of life quite like Sean Baker and the way that he can show like Americana in its rawest form is like really brilliant. Um, I'm from Texas and although I don't live on the Gulf Coast part of it, 
I am very aware of how that area is. And I don't know, the way that they were able to capture that was just like really awesome. Um, uh, there's not, it's a fun film. It's really funny. Um, Simon Rex really is the one who like shines through. Um, it's, it's his film, I think. Um, and the other side characters are great, but he's just, yeah, he's, he's really good. It is definitely, you can tell he had fun with it. I just thought it was a really fun film, even though, like, you know, I don't relate to him at all. Like, I'm not a porn star. I'm not <laughs> a guy returning. Kind of fun. Yeah. Um, you, can, you can find ways to relate to his character. Uh, yeah. And I think that's what, that's why it, like, stuck with me is, like, you know, I could find little pieces of myself in him and his struggles. So it was really, yeah really good i liked it yeah. it didn't get like yeah. it wasn't a huge release which i was kind of disappointed i was yeah. surprised by that i yeah. thought that it was going to be a lot bigger than it was I mean, because florida yeah. project is so mm-hmm. phenomenal my, my hot take is a 24s really dropped the ball they, and they had a lot of they had i mean they mm-hmm. they they struggled but like this year they had so much shit that they've just like been putting it a lot like what do you mean like with marketing or with marketing their release dates after hot yang takes from our marketing major yeah they don't I mean yeah yeah I mean, Green Knight didn't care that had yeah. released Lamb. I mean, come um, on, come on. I feel like they put yeah. too much effort into Lamb for what it was comparatively to a lot of the other releases that they did this year. Yeah, I mean, it's good that they're getting it into a lot of theaters because, like, without them, I don't think without their name, a lot of these movies wouldn't. But anyway, that's a point aside. They're, they're relying too much on their name to do the work. I think. Uh, they're, yeah, they're trying to be like a lifestyle brand now. It's, yeah. Anyway, but I I loved Red Rocket. This was like my this if there was a if if I had to bump one like Red Rocket's eleven on my list. I have my mom's side is from Houston and the Gulf Coast. Oh yeah, and I have spent a lot of time in that area. It's so specific. And it's it, very specific. like the oil refineries against like the backdrop and just like this wide open spaces is just like very very. It takes me back to that place for sure, and I do think it's really. It, it, it really captures that that aspect of his life and I think what is probably his best looking film and his best like technically made film to this point and I do think I really loved sort of its deconstruction of the American dream mm-hmm. and what we sort of see. Sean Baker has a very specific view about sex work and just like how demonized it is in America today, especially. And so I do appreciate sort of the way he takes these very complicated characters and this archetype specifically that he talks about a lot, that he's like, I think it's called the suitcase pimp. He talks about that a lot and sort of how like they're responsible for like traveling, finding new porn stars and stuff like that. And so um, sort of his, like, I, 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 I tend to love movies about guys that are kind of losers. I don't know why. don't know why. That just happens to be a theme of among my many favorite movies. And so um, this falls right in that vein. And I think it really definitely does a good job in sort of very subtly deconstructing that. And yeah. the ending, especially yes. the use of Bye Bye Bye, I think it's very genius <laughs> in this movie. Yes. Legitimately is like a very... I've heard of that a, one. Yeah. I mean, beyond just like how catchy it is, it's like used very very well in my opinion i agree yeah, yeah. it was uh, pretty high up there for me too one of my higher honorable mentions um but uh yeah i just i like he's such like a fucking shithead yeah and it's so mm-hmm. interesting to see the story where everyone just like gives him a second chance and he just Squawkers fucks everything it. up yep. immediately yeah. right away and 
like like because he's like the thing about it too is like he's such a fucking piece of shit but mm-hmm. like you like him you like and him and you yeah, hate I yourself know, right? for liking him because he yeah. like ends up doing some really fucked up Horrible shit, shit. Yeah. and yeah. like it's yeah it's so just the way that he, he plays with that is really interesting yeah. and like you know he's got such love for the places that he portrays like just like this mm-hmm. economically depressed yeah. company towns mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. you know where you know if you know anything about those areas like the cancer rates are like yeah enormous yes. because yeah. of all the chemical plants and shit so that's what i appreciate yeah. so much about him as a director is he like is so non-judgmental like he goes into these places and he just captures it like it is he, like, like there's we'll overturn a rock and film what's under the rock yes he and will. then we'll be like interesting yeah it's like a lot of directors like will go into these places and like exploit these people in their stories, and he does not do that. So that's what I've always really... Yeah. He has care for them. I also, I, sex workers in general. I went mm-hmm. in thinking it was going to be like the Florida Project, <laughs> which was a mistake. Yeah. I, like, we get halfway through the movie, and I'm like, um, this, is not, this is not the wholesome Willem Dafoe movie I had been expecting. But for me, the, the, the real kicker for the movie is about the, like, cyclic nature of his character mm-hmm. like that's the real character yeah. that does, yeah. and does the job I think I think it was very apt because um, when it's played at Telluride there were this was the movie that most people a lot of people walked out of like halfway through and the comparison was the last movie that had that same reaction was Uncut Gems and I start thinking about when you're saying he's a very shit bad character that makes horrible decisions but we like him mm-hmm. I think of how he, Adam how Sandler is yeah. a better person than yeah. Oh, yeah. oh but, really? Oh, I haven't seen that this, is so. a mm, that is. Oh, oh no, 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 sorry, sorry. I I mean I I I don't think he's a saint by comparison, but I do think I he's definitely my Xavier's worst. I don't really, really like do. Howie. What? Howie doesn't like really do anything other than like he's scam like a bad someone. dad. Yeah. I, he's a horrible person. I personally think, but anyway, there just, are there are worse consequences to his character in yeah. Red Rock. Yeah. We, I don't want to say what it is that Simon Rex's yeah. character Well, yeah. no, no, no. I know the, the one thing that we're, I think we're thinking does. of is objectively worse than anything he does yeah. on Kajet. But I, I, point aside, I think that comparison is very apt and I do really love the character study and how unflinching but how honest it really is. <laughs> so It is a film that might have suffered from more uh, attention though, because like I mean, if you look at like you know discourse or like, 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 I if there was the same level of attention on this movie, like yeah, no, this movie. I good. I'm like I watched that movie so, and I was like, how people aren't talking about this the same way, and I think yeah. that's very yeah. For, I mean, I yeah, I thought it was great, but yeah. like that definitely would have been there. Oh yeah, for sure. I think I'm the only one that hasn't seen it. Think yeah, so. see it and tell me. I have I have a list of. I'm sure that I'll enjoy it because it's, 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 really seems, it's really funny. It is a very funny it's movie. It's so funny. Yeah. It's a yeah. very yeah. Um, By the way, I Sam Rex. I don't think he was a porn star. He was like a video. He has no, no, no. He, he had he did he a couple did, of porn. He, he porn wasn't he wasn't star. a porn star, but he did porn. He did porn, yeah, and it followed porn. him for like the rest of his career, and that's uh, what yeah. he did. Like one, like it was not even yeah. Um. Okay. So I think. That covers our our fours, so we'll start heading into our top three. 
We'll start with Maddie's number three, which is, I don't think, on no, anybody else's ye. list. But Which surprises it? me because I actually wasn't really that enticed to see this movie until I heard you guys all talk about how good it was. So that's kind of I funny. I remember this. That. I was part of this conversation. Yeah, we were I sitting on the light it. rail and I was like, okay, well, like, I guess I gotta go see it. Mm. Um, and I'm really glad that I did. I think that maybe it, like, well, well, uh, what is it? It's, it is. it's The Last Duel, directed by Ridley Scott. Interestingly, you know, there were two Ridley Scott releases this year, um, and I really thought I was going to love one of them, and I ended up significantly liking the one that I didn't think I was going to like better than the other one. I think part of why I really love this is because I'm, like, just such a sucker for period pieces, especially about, like, medieval history. Like, that is just, like, it's like it's it's like it's pandering to me, almost, especially having Adam Driver and Jodie Comer in it. I hadn't really seen Jodie Comer in anything else before this, but she's fantastic. I really hope that she does uh, more films like this and maybe not necessarily Free Guy. But anyways, um, I thought it was enjoyable, but that's all I'll say about that. Anyways, um, yeah. And there's it's interesting, the discourse around this, because some of the things that people have said um, to the contrary about it, I kind of see where it's coming from, but... On the on the whole, like I really enjoyed this movie, and um, I thought it was technically very beautiful. Honestly, was very surprised by how much I liked uh, Ben Affleck's performance, just oh, because he plays such amazing. a shitbag, yeah. and it just is like he's playing himself, and I, I really loved that. I, I would argue he's having probably the most fun of anybody. Oh on yeah, screen. It's just by far. Yeah, for sure. And, yeah, just the way that it plays with perspective in different, you know, going through the different scenes and the ways that it manipulates things and changes the tone throughout, even though it's really just recounting the same period of time three times, Mm -hmm. um, is really interesting to me. And watching the characters shift as you go through each recollection is really interesting to me as well. Uh, I thought everybody that was in it did a really fantastic job, but especially... um, Adam Driver and Jodie Comer, and yeah, Matt Damon is typically a guy that I like in his performances, but I was not so much a fan of his character in this, you know? Don't know what it is, but uh, he still did a good job with it. Uh, And yeah, it's just really funny because I didn't think I was going to be liking this movie as much as I did, and I didn't feel that persuaded to see it until everybody was telling me how good it was. Yeah, I was a pretty big fan of this one as well, Uh, one of my honorable mentions. I'm similar in that I love, like... Middle Ages. Yeah. Like, and this was pretty spectacular on that front, for sure. There's a, there's an action scene at the end. I won't say exactly what, but it's, it's fucking awesome. Perhaps um, the titular duel. Perhaps. I guess, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Um, <laughs> that's what it is. And it's, <laughs> it's, it's so, it's so good. Yeah. I, I like the way that it changes perspectives. Is It makes it really interesting. Um, you can perhaps say it's maybe extremely on the nose, but it sort yeah. of works in the context for, for the most part. Um, I still really love the movie. Um, but yeah, I mean, everybody brings their A-game and it's in the Middle Ages and so it's fucking cool. It is. It is. Yeah, essentially, like, I don't even know if I could really say that much about, like, how, like, the writing or anything. It's just cool and it's just fun. Well, it's not fun. No, that's the wrong thing to say. It's not fun at all, but... Well, there are parts of it that are fun. 
Yeah, like seeing Ben Affleck and everything he does is pretty comical because you're like, hmm, I wonder how much of this is what he's actually like in, like in real life. But um, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> for, for legal purposes, that's a joke. Um, but yeah, I just... I'm going to get a suit into the ground. Man. Listen, I'm sure he's a perfectly fine person. He, he's listening. He's listening. He's ben Affleck's going to listen to this. Um, uh, ben yeah. Affleck, I respect you. Just so you know. Ben Affleck. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I really don't know how much I have to say about this, except I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, Jodie Comer really carried this movie for me. Like, everybody did a really good job, but, like, she is the emotional heart of it, for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I would I would echo those symptoms. I think it's a really, well, I mean, these are the movies that we all complain never get made, which are, which are adult essentially blockbusters with like actual themes and great performances and it's fucking fun and also like really heartfelt and emotional um and yet this fucking bombed and did not get anything remotely recognized in terms of awards and fox and sorry not fox anymore disney fucked it up because they didn't care which i find horrible i mean at least we got the the media cycle of uh, Honestly, Scott. really, <laughs> Scott on the press tour. Every every journalist just like fuck, fuck you. you. Yeah, I, stop <laughs> asking me questions. I fucking hate you. Yeah, to stop. I I do. I will say like I am not really like a huge Ridley Scott fan, but like as I was watching this, I was like, for not being a woman, I feel like he treated the matter with like a sympathy and or not sympathy, but like an empathy that. I really was well, yeah. touched by. I mean, honestly, just him being like, everybody's a fucking moron if you think anybody but her truth is the truth. No, but like, like literally, he literally said no, that. No, but like, like that's Thank the you. sad yes. thing is honestly, that there are there yeah. are people that yeah, will. there are, and again, really, Scott, just calling people it's, fucking morons for watching the things. bare minimum. But I still appreciate seeing yeah, it. You know, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. Love it when they hit the bare minimum. Love it, yeah. <laughs> Ideal situation. Oh, that's my life right there. Let's <laughs> hit the bare minimum. Yeah, so that's that's the last duel. I think we'll we'll head on to um, my number three, which is Maddie's number nine and Stephanie's number four, uh, which mm-hmm. is Titan, directed by Julia Ducournau. Um, This was, when I wrote my top 10, I put, this was actually my number four, but when I rewatched it, it's, it's, it's a movie that literally is getting better every time I'm watching it. For, for those of you that are unfamiliar with the film, don't want to say too much because I feel like the shock and the excitement of the movie. Hold on, what's the letterbox tonight? No, 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 the letterbox synopsis gives away, I think, a little bit too much, honestly. No, it doesn't. What? Let me read it. I went into this with basically nothing, just knowing that it had to do with a girl that was into cars. Yeah. Um, um, yes, into cars is a very yeah. apt way of... More like the cars are into her. Yeah. Oh! <laughs> literally and physically. Yes. So, I mean... Metaphysically. If you search up any press related to the uh, to the, to the the making of the, of the, the film, um, yes, you will understand the... the the thing that entices you into watching this movie is she fucks the car. You can yes, that. she fucks the car. Um, and you know, initially you're 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 think I initially I was like, how? Why is this Palme d'Or winning? You know, like why did Spike Lee say this is cinema of 2021 con? And you watch it, and when the shock sort of wears off, 
this movie has one of the most tender hearts of I think any movie I've watched yeah, this year. Honestly. Yeah. Um there's a, you a director who can do both. Yeah, I mean honestly, this movie has so works on so many different intellectual and emotional levels because well it's very complicated to talk about this movie without, without giving spoiling, spoiling it and I don't want to talk I, I don't want to say this all I will say is by the ending it ends at a very climactic point that there are a lot of things that perhaps people might argue should not be shown on film necessarily or to the masses for that matter but I, I don't know exactly why I felt very emotional and to the point of tears, but I did. Mm-hmm. And it's really weird, but I love it at the same time. French extremism is the thing, and I and I hope to see more from... Makes you really out. excited to see what else the director is going to make. Julia yeah. Ducournau, is that how you pronounce her last name? Yeah. Love. I'm like, so excited. I, I don't know if I like this more than Raw, or if I like Raw more than this. I enjoy both of them a lot, but... Yeah, just happy to see her win the Palme d'Or because I think it's really well deserved. Yeah. She has a very unique take she's on out things. There. She and really like, is out there doing her thing. Yeah, she's pushing. She's pushing boundaries. Some of them would say for the worse, but I say for the better. Um, and like her voice is just very exciting. Yeah, and the the thing is, the more the reason I think I've liked it with every single watch is because I think I'm. I think when you by the third watch, I'm realizing just how ingenious. She uses the camera and her very precise placement of where to put stuff. The The amount of mirrors that are in this, I think, is very signaling to some of the deeper themes that she's trying to go after. And, like, she flexes so hard with, like, her directorial prowess, but not in a way that gets in the way of the story. Mm-hmm. And I absolutely love that to a T. Man, I just, I, I, I would love to do just a spoiler podcast because there's so much oh, to yeah. talk okay, about. Well, it. we can film a Tatan podcast. Ooh, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Um, can she, I? Yeah, uh, yeah, so. We've pe- all seen it. Yeah, we've we, yeah. we all seen well, it. Well, but, but the, the metaphorical the listener. listeners, PJ. The, the hypothetical The listener. hypothetical <laughs> listener that probably doesn't exist, but we're treating as such. Okay. Yes. The thoughts. Um, I know PG, you've had interesting experiences with this film. <laughs> All right. Oh goodness. But we don't have to rehash it if you want. No, I can say. Okay. Uh, so yeah, I saw it at Toronto uh, the first time. Mm-hmm. Didn't know anything about it other than that it was very violent and sexual, and so I was like, "Mommy, maybe don't want to go to this one." <laughs> and, so she didn't come. And Wait, you went with your mom to Tiff? I did. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love that. And I so, know. She's <laughs> sorry. Let's not get more. Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> So, yeah, I, uh, I ended up having a seizure, like, halfway through the movie. Has um, that ever happened to you before? Well, it, it's questionable whether or not it was a seizure. It, it's never happened to me before. Um, wow. What do you mean, questionable? Like, like, there are types of fainting where you shake, where it's not a seizure, strictly. Yeah. So it's, like, a lower level, which is probably what it was. Um, but Instead still. of, like, you know... Cause like if you if you have a seizure you like fall out of your chair and shit like mm-hmm. you know and that didn't happen to me but anyways yeah yeah you have still finished the movie later I did on end up finishing the movie with some supervision and, um, <laughs> and it was yeah it unfortunately like kind of probably muted the experience a lot for me like I didn't know what was going to happen as well um, in the second half of the film so you know 
it was just it was I I appreciate what it was doing, but it it, it wasn't able to get the experience out of it. Yeah. You guys were just because of how that's it fair. Yeah. You know? and You're I, still wrong. <laughs> a screening? He was yeah, in. Made me did leave they the stop the screen? No, because Toronto it just made me leave. Yeah, no, Toronto. Toronto has like a because it's like the. Where, uh, did you see it at Princess of Wales? No, I saw it at the fucking. Um, Ontario Cinesphere, the oh. giant climax. Oh my god. Holy yeah, crap. okay. I mean, I saw it at Princess of Wales. I mean, either way, because there's like a thousand plus people in the screening, so like you can't uh... stop it. I mean, they, I know when I went to my screening, because I went to the first one, they had like param- they, they have paramedics on standby. Because uh... I think the same thing happened when she showed Raw, which was people were passing out. Yeah. It's yeah. interesting how di- people, dif- different people react to like things like body horror. Yeah. Yeah. The first time I watched it was, it was rough. I was scared. (laughs) But the second time I watched it, as I was supervising unsaid person and making sure he was okay, it was nice to go in knowing what I didn't want to see. So like some, it would go, I'd be like, okay, it's done. And then it was, I mean, I'm covering my eyes for the list. I guess there's a kind of fantastical element of it that like removes me from it. That makes it less visceral for me. But like in Raw, the body horror is definitely a lot more. I can't. I me. think raw might be worse, honestly. Like, as in, make me cover my eyes more. Like, That's fair. Like, yeah. I think I can appreciate the themes of Teton a lot more. Yeah. There's like a lot of stuff on gender and violence yeah. and stuff yeah. like and I, that that is really well explored. Film. Yes, and yeah. I think I think this film because there's a problem I have with provo- I have no problem with provocative films. Don't like provocative films that are provocative for the sake of being yeah, provocative. True. And the thing is, there is so much going on beneath the surface of all the crazy shit that's happening mm-hmm. that it not only justifies it, I think it makes it a hundred yeah. times better what you're watching. Also, Agatha, I don't know how to yes, her Rousseau. 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 Yeah. She's incredible. Yes. I love her. I agree. That literally, I think she, I think Duke now found her on like Instagram as like yeah. a model. Yeah. And she so never acted. And like also just like, this is like apart from her acting abilities, which I think are phenomenal but something about her features is just like she's so a very distinct captivating case. well i mean the thing is she doesn't ha- like I, the third time i watched it she doesn't say anything yeah for most of this <laughs> film it's such a physical performance mm-hmm. and like i didn't realize that yeah i mean like it's just crazy like she doesn't say anything but you understand that character yeah. almost through mm-hmm. all actions which is like just take it storytelling 101 yeah yeah I don't know. Like I had a, like when I watched Videodrome, I was I did not like the body horror in that. But this oh was, really? It wasn't even because the body horror is like in the second half. Yeah, it wasn't really that. It was a different scene. We yeah, I'm not gonna say what it was, but yeah, yeah. I don't know. What when you passed out? My, yeah, like the one where she fucking. Yeah. yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. So oh, yeah. I have to cover my eyes. I, I do the action for the Ugh, yeah. I guess my one criticism of the film would be I do kind of disagree with you when you say there's no things that are done purely for shock value. I think the first half no, of the no, film is just that. Well, no, no, no. I mean, you could get the story across with that. I mean, I'm not saying it wasn't. The inclusion of it was not because, oh, Purpose I just sense. happened to think of it. Or, I mean, like, just yeah, I don't know. I, I, yeah. I think there were, I mean, agree to disagree. I think there were some moments of that in there for sure. But, yeah, I mean, obviously I had a different experience but with the film than you guys did. At this point, it's like her style, though. Yeah. Well, that's her voice, and, like, you can't, I'm not saying, yeah. 
I will say, if I had to say that there was like one thing that kept me from putting it higher on my list, it would be because I think there were some things that were introduced in the first act that were never followed up on or I never really got clarity about. But I think that the second half and like the themes of the second half were so strong for me that it kind of overshadowed. It mostly overshadowed it, but there were still some little things in the back of my head I, that were like, what about this? What I mean, this? I think I think the ambiguity of the film is so strong in that I know exactly what happens, but why everything's happening, I think is up for so much interpretation that like, like the second time I watched it, I'd heard a theory about the film, which I won't, I won't even share afterwards because I, it's literally a spoiler, but that made me see the entire film in a completely different way that makes 100% sense. Mm -hmm. And so things that are introduced in the first half, I think are very, they, they leave you to, to, to figure out the film for yourself, which mm -hmm. I, I respect a lot. So I think, I think we'll, we'll jump to our last number three here, which is uh, on four of our lists. So it is my number nine, Maddie's number eight, Stephanie's number six, and Sydney's number three. So Sydney, would you like to introduce our last number three here? Yes, it is Spencer, directed by Pablo Lorraine. Another Johnny Greenwood special. God, he just went off um, this year. The score in particular for this film is so haunting. God, it's just, it's it's so, it's, it's really well done. Because when you like hear it separated from the film, you would not think that it would go with a film about Princess Di. Um, but it does so well. Anyways, this is a film about Princess Diana called Spencer because her last name was Spencer. Um, and it basically, I went in um, thinking it would be like another biopic where it kind of just like goes over like her life. But it's really, it's kind of like tells like a three day vacation for Christmas at like their... Balmoral Castle in yes. Scotland. Yes. Um, Ooh, and they like tell her story so well through those three days and like what her interactions with those around her and it is a character study first and foremost I think like I Kristen Stewart the, this Kristen Stewart is like the biggest reason I is this is so high on my list um, just because I think this is like one of the best performances of the year she transformed herself into Princess Di and like did such justice to uh, her character because there have been so many films about Princess Diana that have come out and like have been mid in my opinion mm -hmm. and like documentaries and stuff <laughs> and I don't think this is just so unique not it's Eat not the Crown season four <laughs> yeah um this is just like so unique it doesn't even feel like a film like yeah. about her life it's yeah. just yeah it yeah it, films about princess diana like very easily could fall with especially her as such a like martyred figure in history can really easily fall in the trap of relying just mm -hmm. on the fact that it's about her to be good yes. yeah true. but i think in the film the fact well it it's the it's Marketed as like the three day weekend that she decides to leave Prince Charles, mm -hmm. um, but it's that, and then also I think the parallels that the film draws between her and Anne Boleyn. Mm. So good, yes. such a clever like framing a technique. That was wonderful. Yeah, and the, really well done. Yeah. I don't know what do you call it? The like the the the, the soft fuzziness of the film. I don't know yeah. what the film grain or the whatever. Grain. Yeah. The grain. The grain. The grain. I love the grain. That was really it was well done. Stunning. The sacred yeah. I mean, It was just like a really pretty film and then also like yeah. certain parts of it were sterile as well. Like I think the, the sterile parts of some of it really like reflected really well off of yeah. how the royal family is positioned narratively yeah. against Diana. 
like because mm-hmm. I know you're really into yeah. like I am definitely learning about the monarchy for the British stuff. royal family. Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm a huge like I definitely follow the British royal family, and one of my projects over spring break is to do the family tree of Queen Victoria. But wow, that's fine. in depth. It's fine. It's yeah. been something I've wanted to do for a while now. But I'm a huge, like, royal family person. I was sitting there and I was like, I know who that is. Yeah. I can list the line of succession, whatever. Well, like... Yeah, but yes. Yeah. Yeah, this is my... What did we say? Eight, I think. Eight. Yeah. Like, I was excited for this because Kristen Stewart, and it was obviously getting, like, a lot of Oscar buzz for her, um, which I'm really excited about because I think that she has been unfairly demonized in the public psyche. I think, yeah, for sure, Twilight is not the best reflection of her capabilities, but she's very talented. She did um, what they wrote. She Yes, that's very true. Um, but yeah, I, I in general like hate biopics. They're just like the most formulaic genre to me, and most of the time, like I just don't think that they even really do the subject of them very much, you know, justice. And so I think you kind of, in my perception you kind of have to have a specific stylized voice and you have to be bringing something to this story Mm -hmm. um in order to make it yeah in order to make it interesting and that's part of what I love here and also at the beginning of the film it says a fable based on a true tragedy Mm -hmm. and that like haunted me throughout the entire the entirety of this film because like we were saying it's like all speculation and not necessarily like a true story but the fact that it is it could theoretically be true because of like the way that she was mistreated in the royal family what was it you said it's like the scene afterwards is them agreeing to kill her yeah they did they did kill her yeah no it's like it's it's haunting to believe (laughs) that this is like something that actually we don't know for sure that it could have happened, but yeah, it's very realistic. Princess to think Diana it would have has turned into like her her legacy has turned into like a cultural entity of itself. Yeah, she's she's just it feels very far removed from her actually being like a real person. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, and I and think this being released following like the Meghan Markle stuff also yeah. is very like I don't know. Yeah, very telling. Yeah, I mean, like, it's really interesting because my aunt texted me and she was like, I hated it. I thought it was so bad. And I think it's because she expected it to be, like, that kind of formulaic biopic. Um, And especially, like, she's older and, like, she lived through all the everything happening with Princess Diana. And I told her, I was like, I'm pretty sure the reasons that you don't like it are the exact reasons that I really liked it because it's, it's very unique. And, yeah, biopics are just... I'm kind of over them as a genre in in total, but I love it when people bring fresh material and a new voice to a tired genre. Yeah, I mean, I think this movie works. The, the big two reasons this movie works, I think, are the technical aspects, specifically Johnny Greenwood's score, which he got nominated for Power of the Dog, but I think this is the better score. Mostly, be, mostly because... The, without the score of this film, the entire mood and atmosphere and the sort of inner psyche that's sort of expressed throughout the film of D- Princess Diana would not work. Mm-hmm. And Kristen Stewart, because I my letterbox review was, we will riot in the streets if she does not win the Oscar. I was very close to on February 8th, and then she got that last-minute nomination after getting snubbed a lot. But I think technically... I, I I don't know how you look at this film and you sort of just pass it off. Because, like, Claire 
Mathon, who did Portrait of a Lady. She's a cinematographer. Jacqueline Duran, who did Little Women and The Batman recently. She did the costume design. Johnny Greenwood did the score. Like, there's so many people that are working at the top of their craft to get this very interesting. And honestly, like, I, I, in my traditional imagination of what a biopic is, is much more of just a telling of someone's life. Mm -hmm. But this does not tell the story of her entire life from, like, birth until death. This is very much a character-driven narrative that sort of attempts to depict just the psychological horrors of the British monarchy upon this woman. Um, and I think that's why it's so effective. And it's so effective because, like, they, you can fuck this up really horribly. <laughs> I am very befouled. Because the thing is, a lot of people don't like this film because they're like, it's very boring. They it's just, And I think there is an element to where people have watched The Crown and they expect The Crown, which is thrilling in its own right, but I think the character is much more... The character aspect is very, very interesting for this. So. Mm -hmm. I was kind of surprised it wasn't on your list because I, I know that you yeah, really liked it. I did really enjoy it. Um, it's pretty up there for me as well. Um, just, just got, got edged out. It's really stacked here. Yeah. Also... Yeah. yeah, yeah, I really liked it. Yeah, uh, sort of like the surveillance angle was really interesting. Yeah, uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. it just makes you like it makes your skin crawl. Yeah, like, it was. I was uncomfortable throughout yeah. that entire yeah. film. Like I was, I was. Yeah, it's like they're constantly closing the drapes because someone might be watching. But like, yeah, we are watching. watching. Ooh, yeah. yeah, good point. Yeah, the, uh, the scene at the end too, where he walks into the room and they're all there. It's like. The, the, just the looks. Like, Nobody has to say a word. And it's like the know. whole, like I, the whole idea of Diana's legacy being exploited, like repeatedly yeah. for people's own yeah. gains. No, this one was, way or another. I think that this was portrayed with tenderness, which is what I appreciate. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, to number our number twos. twos. All right, so we'll start off with Stephanie's number seven and PJ and mine's number two movie of the year. Um, you you want you want to introduce it, um, or you want me to introduce it? Yeah, sure, I'll introduce it. Okay. Um, so it is uh, Ryusuku Hamaguchi's Drive My Car, um, his second film that he released this year. Um, it's sort of about a, he's a theater director who's sort of an expert on Chekhov, and he has this particular style where all the actors speak a different language um, on stage. Um, and so, yeah, so then the story around him is like the beginning He's with his wife. They have this interesting, more, very Murakami-esque thing, which this is based on Murakami <laughs> story, where after they have sex, she goes into a trance, starts telling these like really intricate stories, like bit by bit, and then he has to remember them. And um, when she wakes up the next morning, she doesn't remember them, and he has to like recount it back to her. Um, and then that's their relationship. I mean, so. essentially, the, the that's that's part of that's like the the prologue of the film. I would say the yeah. main film revolves around him staging this play of Uncle Vanya, yeah. um, the Chekhov play, in in his unique fashion and yeah. sort of how that and the tragedy that he suffers at the beginning right. is sort of keeled through that. So there's like a there's like a three pronged tragedy really. Yeah. Um, which I guess not everyone here has seen the film, right? No. No, I'm so bummed. Okay. I was going to watch it this weekend, yes. but I couldn't find time. Yeah. I don't want to say anything then, because yeah, I really same. Think, like, this movie for me was really flipping back and forth between number one um, for a long time. It was number one for a while. Um, the, like, so through that 
act of having all the actors speak in a different language. He's sort of translating this, like, on the surface, it just sort of comes through, like, this idea that our communication between each other is, like, really this act of us just endlessly monologuing at one, one another, like, this idea that, like, our communication doesn't really break through. We're all trapped, like, in the in inside our own minds, and sort of the, the the treachery of language just doesn't translate like sort of our inner psyches to one another so that we can understand each other but then he like he breaks through these moments of just like in absolute beauty with these relationships and like the central relationship of the film is him with his driver who's this sort of drifter loner girl um, um, you learn her story more as the film goes on it just like the way it portrays these like moments in which you can like truly break through that barrier. There's a couple relationships in the film that also represent that. It's just like just like this deeply sincere and deeply beautiful thing that like he doesn't flourish in any way. It's like incredibly austere, but it comes through so powerfully anyways and like it's just all there on the screen. He doesn't like have to and like add any embellishment to make it come through and it's just it's really really spectacular and you know in the way like I said his previous film was like a little more intellectual a little more distant in the way it treated these emotional ideas like this film was just like you could see how maybe some people would think that he treats this film in the same way but it just it penetrates that in in every way and it's it's just really really beautiful in these unique ways that no other director is doing at all it's just about like, loneliness. Oh my god, like that's a lot of things about loneliness. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. finding that kind of shared yeah. companionship. And I mean, to another extent, I think the film, for me, sort of reaffirmed, I think, there's, there's this whole aspect of what art sort of can do yeah, for a person. Too, yeah. And I think the... It's, it's so weird because I was thinking about this intellectually because, or not intellectually, <laughs> metally, because I'm not an intellectual. Metaphysically. Metaphysically, sure. <laughs> Which is like, well, and, well and yeah. Well, no, because Rizuki Yamaguchi had to actually direct everybody in different languages and direct a director to direct in different languages. And sort of thinking about, there's this phrase, it's not a, it, it's sort of, the, when his methodology, he's like, give yourself over to the text. Essentially, if you read really good art, you will find something things healing come in it. Out of you yeah. Like, it reveals things about yourself that you weren't willing to Exactly. Face. And I think there's always a notion of like art is only meant for, you know, people that are privileged or that and sure filmmaking and creation of art might be, but the power of art and how it can seep into a person, it doesn't matter what language is speaking, it doesn't matter where you've come from, your past, it can be like a very healing process. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Fuck yes, cinema. So I, I, I absolutely loved it. Yeah. And, and yeah, the way it weaves in the text of Uncle Vanya as well is really like, so like, you know, obviously a lot of the film is them rehearsing the play. Mm-hmm. So you hear a lot of the same lines yeah. repeated. But like as the rest of the narrative is interwoven with that, these lines take on new meaning, like mm-hmm. each time that yeah. you hear them. Yeah. And then like the way that the play ends up connecting to the grander story, mm-hmm. it's just like... This incredibly moving treatise on just like just continuing to live your yeah. life and what that means for you and what that means regardless of just your utter yeah. misery or There's your inability like, to break through uh-huh. that wall of connection mm-hmm. and yeah it's yeah, yeah it's fantastic the, the ending just like the it just made me cry 
it made me cry so hard when they're when when the, when the 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 final recital towards to speak of the Uncle Vanya of the Uncle Vanya text was very yeah. very emotionally moving for me. There's yeah. a bit of like what could have been is also like a big thing that mm-hmm. happens. And when you were talking about them, like what it means to move forward with your life was right. like definitely one of the and big how you replace those holes, you know, yeah. or yeah, what you substitute for that, you know. Uh-huh. Yeah, the scene that got me was the scene where they're smoking in the car and they put their well, well, no, the smoking. If you, if anybody's watch goes for a watch or a second watch, then the times that you're smoking is very purposeful. Yeah, and it's very sparse, and I think it's very, it's very well used. Is that, that when he tells well, the guy? Well, Mm. Oh, yeah. It's, after, it's that. after that. Well, okay. it, no, no, that's it actually from a different scene. Okay, I can that's remember. Yeah, 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 you're right. Back, yeah, yeah. Uh, this, yeah, that one scene. Yes. I'll just say, the first time I watched this, I thought it was really great from an intellectual perspective, um, and just like as someone who likes film. The second time I watched it, it just like was a completely different experience. Yeah, it, so, like, it got way more. It's it, like, three yeah. hours, but it doesn't feel that way. Yeah, it's yeah. like a it's a rare three hour emotional epic, and that is like the I think one of the. It's best emotional, things. but not on the face at all. Yeah, no. like no. it all comes through really? the art mm-hmm. instead of the. Well, the it's character. like you find yourself mm-hmm. in the film. Yeah, there's a it's lot to yeah. True, yeah. Like that there's day, always like the... a sense of self in art and like how that kind of thing is created from yourself mm-hmm. and how you find that in art as well yeah one yeah i knew that i have not seen this film yet but i've i know that it's i i've known that it's special mm-hmm. from like all that i've read about it and I'm, the reactions i've gotten from all of you also to you all are all really good at speaking yeah oh my god i feel like i watched <laughs> and i feel like i just watched that movie and i feel like <laughs> i feel like that's a testament to how much you know the We're, film has impacted you all so yeah as people who are passionate about art yeah. that is a film I mean, that is also about yeah commercially I mean, yeah. art and passion like i was so happy to watch that at tiff because i barely knew anything about the film i feel like that was like that move the movie caught me so surprised in that way so but either way like it's on hbo max right now yeah. so thankfully everybody you check it out yeah check it out you yeah. can check it out that's a high soul, priority watch for me film. yeah it feels like one of those movies that I would come out of, like, also being a little bit insecure, being like, will I ever have a thought that is this <laughs> yeah. meaningful? <laughs> For sure. That's, that's a really good way of describing it, actually, yeah. though. Will I but ever... it's also, like, even with that idea, it's like, within the film, there's an idea that it doesn't matter. Like, mm-hmm. Oh my god. <laughs> it's getting metaphysical. Like, within the film, it doesn't matter because you can grasp that from outside if you mm-hmm. can break through that, that line. So this it's yeah it's really it's really spectacular yeah and the performance it's 1a 1b yeah so, my top two films. i think it's like one of the best ensemble performances i've seen particularly oh, for sure yeah the, the deaf korean actress yeah she's so good unbelievable yeah the the guy who initially was an actor at the television station he that ended up becoming significant later he yeah. was really good the drive like all of them like yeah. um yeah, I won't. I won't say my favorite scene because I feel like it's a bit of a spoiler. Anyway, I think that's drive my car. Yeah, and so we'll we'll head to our next number two, which is Maddie's number two, and it is all. It is my number eight, Sydney's number eight, and PJ's number six. 
Maddie, you want to you wanna introduce the film? It is another long-awaited release, The Green Knight by <sighs> David Lowry. Yeah, what to say about this movie, honestly? It's really interesting because I'm typically like a very, I'm a very story-oriented, story-oriented person. Story-oriented. Story <laughs> That's a great story. I'm story-oriented. If you um, open up a film school, you call it story-oriented. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna pitch that. Yeah. Um. Anyways, yeah. I'm. I'm very like story-driven films are typically my favorite, but that's not even my favorite part of this film. Like, I just feel like it is technically so overwhelming. Oh, yeah. And like, I think my letterbox review of it was like walking up to a painting in a museum and then seeing like a tiny little bee on a tiny little flower and then being like. Holy shit, how did they even, like, think about that? That's a really good person. Yeah, Yeah, and that's, like, that's to me what is so special about this film. Like, every single part of it is so gorgeous to look at. Um, And even it has, like, really good themes, I think, that that undercut it. But it is just, like, a spectacle. I really wanted it to be released, um, because I think it was initially slated for June 2020. Yeah, May, June 2020. Like, right, a few months before the pandemic. Yeah, and so I really wanted it to be, like, released um, as part of, like, video-on-demand streaming, but I'm really glad that that didn't end up happening. (laughs) I'm so glad I watched it. Yeah. I still think that, like, if you... Stephanie, you said you haven't seen it. Mm-mm. Sydney, did you see it? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, like, I, I think even, like, if you haven't seen it in theaters, like, you still should see it. But it was really something that was very enriching to watch yeah. on screen. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. the fact that this movie Crazy. looks so fucking yeah. good. I would even go as far as to say is that it is aesthetically perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. And so, technically, the film's great. Emotionally and, like the ending sequence is mm. one of the mm. most I like for me the reason that this is so low on the list and it's I've only watched it once is I think part of it was well the first time I watched it it cut about 30 minutes in like the like the like the theater like it just broke like the, it had it was a bath pass so I have to go back and rewatch it, it. Said and it took me like a couple weeks before I found the time and so I think the first half of the movie kind of dragged for me, and I think it's partially based off of that, those two experiences combined. But when the last sequence kicks into gear, it is like anything, I think, in terms of momentum that I have, I saw in 2021. It's... Exactly yes. like annihilation. Yes. Um, in terms of that, in terms of in terms of just where it goes, it like just pours like all like it just no pours. Yeah. It's no dialogue, yeah, and I just was like in shock and awe of like how much the themes just came like this. Like it went from my brain to my heart. It's just like a snap <laughs> yeah, moment. Yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh! And Dev Patel. Is the best. Yeah. As a Patel myself, he is number one. (laughs) He is the number one Patel species brand. Everybody, beautiful man, great actor. Like he's got it all. He's got it all, you know. And I, this is just great. This is what I want from movies. You know, this is great. I just love it. Um, yeah. For me, I don't know if you guys have ever read. Mm -hmm. um, I don't even know if I can get through that. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it's you know. It's a. It was written in the 14th century. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But like, I I love that shit. So I've been fascinated with that story for the longest time. So when I heard that he was doing this, I was especially since I love all of his movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't I think I've so... actually seen any besides this. Go- yeah. Have you seen a ghost story? No, but I know that it's like a gay <sighs> yeah, twenty four stars. His whole filmography is fantastic yeah. as well. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. So when I heard that he was doing this, I was insanely. He did a ghost story. Yeah. I also love and that. So. 
but like he just has this innate sense for the particular blend Christianity and paganism that marked mm. like the aesthetics of the period and sort of the the mixture of barrenness and like strange like flourishing beauty mm-hmm. like he just captures that every every single frame is perfect in that mm-hmm. regard and he just understands it so well and yeah like it's I, I was like I, I watched it a second time and like I just love every image on the screen like I just wanted to take a screenshot of everything yeah, yeah. it's like a yeah, it's just, I don't even know what to say about it. It's just, I can't, like, verbalize it, because yeah. it just felt like, it felt like ethereal, you know? It yeah. feels like you, like, go Other on, like, world. an acid trip, and then, like, can't, you can't verbalize what you just experienced. Yeah. And he, te- he does it all through the imagery, too. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, for instance, this happens really early on in the film, so it's not, like, a spoiler or anything. But, like, the scene with the witches, with his mother. Yes. Like, they don't say anything yeah. about what is happening no. there. You'd have to know what the story is about. Mm-hmm. But even if you don't know, you get the imagery it. there is so intriguing that it doesn't matter. Yeah. And like, it's, it's, a, it's really a testament to this year that, I mean, this film was my number one for a really long time. Yeah. It was my, it was my number one for a I'm like super surprised that it's like all the way down to number six. Yeah. But like, it, I fucking love this movie mm-hmm. so much. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really funny because like the way that I... I saw this was I was in Minnesota with my friend's family and we all like had a day. I think it was like the air quality index was like 400 because there was a forest fire in Canada. So it was really bad. And we were all like, "Mm, let's go see a movie today. And my mom, not my friend and her dad went to go see old and me and my friend went to go see the green Knight. And you know, obviously they walked out of old and was like, that was the dumbest shit I've ever seen in my life. They actually walked out and then went and saw the Matt Damon movie. Still water. Still water. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Worst. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyways. Um, and then we got out of the movie and my friend that went to see that with me was like, I don't know what the fuck just happened. And I was just like, Oh my God, this moment where they did this and this and this, and it was just so good. And it, it meant this, it was symbolic for that. It was, I, I need to rewatch it because I haven't seen it since I saw it in theaters, but I have a really bad habit of purchasing things yeah. on iTunes and then just like not watching them. So. Oh, no, I got the I DVD. Oh, you got, you got, I think the better. I just there was a theater. moment, there was a moment in film club where we were talking about the Green Knight and I kid you not, PJ, Rohan, and Piper all whipped no, out Luke. the it same. Luke. It was Luke. Oh, and Luke whipped out the same, like, Blu-ray whatever copy of The Green Knight. Yeah. And I just, like, on my screen, all three of them just, whoop, they all had it. And it oh, was my like, gosh. Sorry, I, that is probably. Because it's so good. If you, if, you would, if you would like to borrow any of our DVDs to watch. I don't watch have it. a DVD player. You can borrow my iTunes. I'll give you my DVD player. Box. Yeah, or, or that. Yeah, yeah true. <laughs> That's what I use. The Blu-rays go in the X. Box one only. Yeah. <laughs> That's really the only reason I still have that thing. Yeah. yeah. Green Knight. We gotta say for another thing first, the cast is fucking great. Yeah. yeah. And they all just like apart from Def Patel, they all play really small yeah. roles. Yeah. But like they all just like accept it and do I mean, it perfectly. Yeah. Alicia McCander, yeah. Barry Keegan, Joel. Barry, Barry Keegan is in the Green Wait, Knight. Wait, no, it's not Keegan. It's Keown. Kion, Kion, Kion. Yeah. I Sorry, say, I yeah. do say Keegan. Yeah. I think that's where Very I got Keegan, Keegan from. So yeah. Kion, okay. Kion. Very Kion. But, but yeah, like Joel Edgerton, even he's yeah, yeah. Really? He's,
five minutes. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. He's really good, though. It's like, it's like getting <laughs> in high school, if you would, like, get cast in a small part, they would make you feel better about it. They're like, just make it the best you can be. <laughs> and all of them really yeah. took that to heart. Like Sean Harris as well. Yeah. Ralph Kate Dickey, Ralph Innocent. Yes, yeah. as the as the knight. As the knight. It's yeah. so good. It was great. Um, I don't even know what else I can say about that. Again. Back. Yeah, <laughs> pandering to my love of the mid, the oh, Middle Ages. Me as well. Yeah. I was like, this is perfect. For this me. is wonderful. And yeah. also, like, I've never read it, but like, I am a creative writing major, so like, ostensibly, <laughs> I should have read it. So it well, just feels like it's pandering to me specifically. Yeah, I mean, obviously, those stories just treat storytelling in such bizarre ways compared to like how we do it now. Mm-hmm. And he really sticks to it, which is really interesting. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's like. Surprisingly, there were a lot of movies this year that I think are told in, like, vignettes. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of them. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. Because, like, there's the... No, I'm not going to say anything. I mean, I don't want to spoil anything, but Please then don't. again, you said it's really old, but yeah. anyway. Watch the movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Anyway. Yes. And so I think I think we can move on to yeah. a movie that we can include Stephanie in the conversation. <laughs> um, this is the one movie that is on all of our top ten. I just barely it watched is, it. It is my number seven, Maddie's number four, PJ's number three, Stephanie's number three, and Sydney's number two. Sydney, would you like to introduce the film? Take it away, Sydney. Uh, this is the worst person in the world. Um, directed by, and I looked up how to say this. Joaquin. Joaquin, because I got Joachim. I got Joachim. Was Joachim. 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 Joachim Trier. Because yeah, Joaquin. I don't know. Whatever. Trier. Um, I'm gonna try not to get emotional when I'm talking about this movie, but no, it's I very understand. hard not to. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is another film that's told in, like, a series of episodes, pretty much, I would call them episodes, um, and it basically just goes over the life of a young woman who doesn't really, like, know how to define herself, um, and, you know, there's, like, a really awesome part where it's, like, she's not, like, she's not a med student, she's not a photographer, she's not this, not that, she's tried on a lot of different hats, and, like, she doesn't really know who she is, and I think that's, like, the best part of it, um, and it just goes through, like, her life and the decisions that she makes and how they come back, um, I'm going to let someone else talk about this because yeah. I'm, I'm getting a little emotional. Someone else can talk about it. I don't know how he, like, reached into my brain and then pulled out, like, every single thought I've ever had about myself, but it's incredible. Has anybody seen his uh, first, or not first film, but his previous film, Thelma? Mm-hmm. I've seen um, the previous film in the trilogy, this mm-hmm. one. Yeah, well, Thelma, I thought, was incredible, and I don't know how he does it, but he writes women so well for being a man, I think. Like, this was, it was hard to watch for me at some points, because it, like, does touch upon, I think the the name, the worst person in the world, is reminiscent of, like, the way that I think a lot of people, I think it's, like, a pretty universal thing that a lot of people think about themselves, um, and, like, that self, self-effacing joking and, like, self-hatred that... A lot of us put ourselves through um, is evoked really powerfully here and I just watched it a couple days ago because I knew it was on like everybody's list um, I'm not gonna say how I watched it anyways pirating nope I would never pirating is not a victimless crime <laughs> um, you're the victim if you never watch worst person yeah true okay I like that but yeah it was 
what what to even say. Yeah, it's yeah. it does so much in. It's not even that long. How long just, is it? Yeah, I just I love the way that it just portrays a life. Like, yeah. Like you know, like she, you know, she loses things. She experiences grief. She hurts people. She gets hurt by people. She tries to figure out what the fuck she is. And like all through that, there's that underlying like hope that one time, like at some point, this will all click, and I'll know mm-hmm. what the fuck I'm doing here. And I'll know that this is what I'm doing right now is what I'm supposed to be doing. And it's just mm-hmm. like goes through the hopes and hopelessnesses of that journey mm-hmm. in just such a beautiful way. And like for me, the most affecting parts were when it sort of examines like mortality in this really interesting way, mm-hmm. in this very Western specific way in which the just like the deep existential fear of coming to a point in your life when you don't have any future anymore and it's just your past and you realize what your past is is just consumption of things and like that just crushes you and you realize that those things don't mean what they did to you all those years ago the way it portrays that idea in this one particular scene is really like really really Mm -hmm. i don't know maybe very emotional when i watched it the first time yeah second time but yeah. yeah I think everybody can find a piece of themselves in this character. I think we've been saying that for a lot of these movies about how, like, reminiscent of the the characters are to everybody, but, like, in this especially, I think it's particularly poignant. Yeah, I think think what, what, what makes this such a unique film just stepping back from the story and the themes as well it's just how much like the, it's, it's marketed as like oh it's a Norwegian rom-com but it, it like the amount of tone shifting and the amount of places that it goes to yeah. it, it touches on essentially There's what you've been saying freedom in the way he directs it yeah he doesn't feel compelled to, to stay in any box exactly and I think that's very true to sort of life experiences of how high how weird how ha- how low you can go and I just I found also the 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 uh, Renate Reinsva, yeah, absolutely amazing. Like mm-hmm. I know he was just like she was she she was in like a she very brief in, role in one of she won the con. Yeah. yeah, she was in Oslo. Yeah, she was she was Wait, she, she she was in like she a very won minor. What? The, the, she won what? Well, oh, she won the she won like the con best actress. Oh, I didn't know that. Good yeah. for her. Best she deserves it. Yeah. They only have best actor, right? They don't have. No, they have the best actor and actress. Okay. Yeah. yeah, so yeah. She, yeah. Thought actor went to Simon yeah. Rex. And then she was yeah. in the previous film in this Julie, but very temporarily. Yeah, and um, Anders Danielson Lee has probably it's very very good. Is that yeah. Axel? Yes. yes. Um, both a general practitioner, so if you're in Norway, you can. Yeah, yeah can, that was can, crazy. You can, you can go yeah. get your physical. And <laughs> yeah. You can also pick his brain. Um, but yeah, his performance absolutely was completely in a mode, just devastating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I, I just you can't help but cry at yeah. I think we're all thinking of the scene like or the period at least in the film when his performance yeah, just yeah. instances in that yeah. sequence Ooh, that kind yeah. of yeah, sent it's, you over yeah and there's you can find the, the quotes online but some of the quotes that he's I wish I could have made yeah. you see that. Yeah. oh no I can't no, even no, think yeah, about it no, it's, 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 it's it's so wrenching yeah yeah true yeah. Yeah. To yeah. echo what Sydney said just there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's... Can't think about that movie too hard for too long. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I yeah. understand, but... I mean, but I... it's also, 
in some ways like a happy movie because it's oh, yeah. life affirming. It's for yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. Yes. yeah exactly. It, yeah. And it's, it's like, affirming. Yeah, because yeah. like even in the end, like it's amb- ambiguous. I guess we shouldn't say what happens in the end. It's ambiguous as to the nature of the tone of the ending. I would mm-hmm. say. Yeah. And so that leaves a lot of room for how you take it. But it's also just like, in a way, it feels so chilly because that's the best way I know how to describe it. Because it's like, oh my God, this man knows my like darkest secrets. But then at the same time, it's like, it feels like very warm because it makes you know that you're like not alone in your perception Mm -hmm. of the world he takes a lot of care in that yeah in telling that he is an incredible director i'm really excited to see i i want to go back and i want to watch a lot of his previous work and i want to the oslo one is extremely depressing so be wary of that Velma is It's really interesting. He's taken kind of like a... Worst person in the world is sad in a way, but like it is being marketed as like a rom-com. It's like... It is tonally different from things that he's done before, Mm -hmm. which is interesting. But yeah, that... He... The range of that man is incredible. There are also just so many like magical moments in that film. I feel like that's that's another thing that came came out of it with like the way it's like... I don't want to spoil that scene because... But... That was in the trailer. Yeah, I feel like people kind of know. Okay, yeah, where every everything stops around her and Mm -hmm. she, you know, is moving amongst everyone and like that. It portrayed such a specific feeling that like that I was thinking. I was talking to you about this the other day. Like it portrays such a specific feeling that is like hard to describe. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, there's a lot of magical moments in the film. And you know what's kind of interesting? This is kind of tangential, but um, I watched uh, Raw by Julia Ducournau, who is also mentioned in this list. I watched that and Thelma right next to each other, and the two are, like, weirdly similar. Um, They're both about uh, girls that go to, like, they come from kind of, like, sheltered families, and then they go to college, and they discover this, like, kind of dark, latent ability, if if that's what to say, within them that is awakened and then, like, causes some shit to go down. So it's really interesting that they're, again, popping up together i think that julia ducor now and how do we say what do we settle on what not joachim 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 trier are like two of the most exciting directors currently working i think maybe not on the surface but this film is very similar sort of conceptually to drive my car as well yeah in that mm-hmm. it's sort of it's, it's the type of film where you come out of it and you just like you see the value of what you spend all this time doing and Mm. It's the type of film that you're like, you lack the capacity nor the desire to describe, like, the emotionality that it comes with. And, yeah, it's just you're, like, swept up in its very essence is Mm -hmm. the way I would describe it. It unapologetically conveys how life does not make sense. Yes. So true. Mm -hmm. Um, Which drives my car kind of does also in a different vein but like the main character she's like a walking contradiction almost where she just like she's one thing and then she's another and she can't make up her mind and she's waiting for it to she's waiting for like a path and i feel like it's so important that she she fucks up all the time oh yeah and like if without that like it just wouldn't have had the same value Yeah. yeah Like, she's just a person trying to figure shit out. And, like, at the end of the day, aren't we all, you know? I like as a person that's, like, about to graduate. I was just about to say the same thing. I, like, I, like, when she's, I was, like, I feel terrified enough already of my future. And so 
what she does in the movie and stuff yeah. where she's like I like I'm waiting for something but I don't know what yeah mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh yeah. I think it's just a testament to how excellent his writing is by the fact that we all like are approaching it from our own very like different perspectives and we all are kind of coming to the same consensus about it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah great, great film great, great great I'm really glad that I got to see it before this yeah so yeah on that note let's go on that note <laughs> uh yeah yeah we got four number ones one of two of us share one and we'll, we'll touch on that one last so let's let's go ahead and start with stephanie uh who's number one it's not on anyone else's list yes um but it's the three-time academy award nominee flea mm-hmm. um by jonas poharasmussen um and it's just it's an animated film that follows the plight of this um, Afghani refugee. They, he and his family escape to Russia and they're trying to get to his older brother in Denmark. Sweden. 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 Oh, it's, he ends, oh, up, he in ends up in Denmark, oh, but okay. he's trying to get to Sweden. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, so yeah, right. it's very much like a re- it's like a it's a refugee story. Like that's yeah. that's a, like exactly what it says on the box. But I think the animation style really works really well with how they tell the story and how his remembrance of what happened versus how he remembers what happens versus how it actually happened and then how he continues to choose to remember or not remember and how he copes with those memories. In one of my classes, I wrote a paper on performative suffering um, after the um, Haitian earthquake in 2011 and how people would like purposely um, like act like they were starving or whatever to get more attention from the media to get more help from NGOs. Um, Wait, like people in Haiti would do that? Yeah, but I but basically, there's I think there's this really interesting um, there's this really interesting I guess subplot where he he has to lie to the immigration officials in order to get into the country. In that lie, he loses his sense of self because he even after he's gotten into the country because he's afraid that they will not let him stay, he has to continue lying. Mm-hmm. And so it's just very gut-wrenching. I was very emotional. Um, I have a visceral reaction to it. And I think I'm really hoping it scores some Oscars because yeah. that film is honestly so great. Like, yeah. it it's exactly what you would expect, but also more. There's... Yeah, several other subplots that work its way into it that are just, like, very, like, heart-wrenching and really tough to watch sometimes Mm -hmm. that really speak to, like, the whole awfulness of the situation. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't get to finish it um, just because I watched it, like, super late at night and I didn't want to fall asleep watching it, um, so I, like, had to stop it. So I'm not going to say too much, but gut-wrenching to think and like just trying to conceptualize from like my perspective that like people go through this is really hard and the things that he talks about are just mind-bendingly awful um and I think that it's very interesting to convey it through the animated style Mm -hmm. yeah I I I technically this I, I thought about this would be my number 10 so this would have been on my list had I watched it sooner but this film made me very, very angry in the good way. I, I think about a particular scene involving a cruise ship um, yeah. that absolutely oh made me just want to 
be like, well, if we burn the world down tomorrow, I understand, you know? <laughs> um, because I think the difficulties behind his entire story of, get, of getting to the point where he's able to share this and um, not just with us, but with other people in his lives is just something that is very, very... Uh, like, it's like yeah. like bad thing after bad thing just continues to happen in that movie. And it's like, this man cannot fucking catch a break. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think it's just, it's, it's so frustrating to see, like, the yeah. amount, the lack of understanding from so many people that yeah, he encounters in, so his, in his stories. It makes me sad. It also makes me very, very angry. Political discourse, you know, you tend to, you tend to think, yeah, this is wrong, but it's stories like, like this, where I'm actually just fucking like mad at the world so much. But his story, not just like, there's a part of the story that also involves him in the present day and sort of can, like how he's processing the story as he's telling it. That also was like, very, very he is beautiful. Trying to heal by telling the mm-hmm. story in its entirety and in its yeah, and I agree with you, Stephanie. Like the the animation, I think serves well functionally in terms of him. Fucking Kanto. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> my friends are probably, obsessed with that. It movie. should win at least documentary. Yeah, at least yeah. documentary. It's, I was I was praying that it'd be nominated for I think documentary international and then animated because those were like it had the best mm-hmm. chances and it got nominated for all three and I was like it's not going to sweep but it should. I will say my one qualm with it is the animation style was a little choppy for me personally, but that was that obviously has nothing with it as well. I think it's really really good. I agree with all the emotional aspects that you brought up. I think occasionally there is a very western perspective that finds its way into the story that feels unnatural occasionally um i guess we'd have to say what happens to say what those moments that i thought were Mm -hmm. but um uh, to your point rohan like especially if you know the history of afghanistan Mm -hmm. like U.S. funded the Mujahideen to build to the mm-hmm. tune of billions of dollars. Yeah, that was who he's fleeing from. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. yeah. And then he it, sociologically, it's really interesting too, because then he ends up in post-Soviet Russia, which is just absolutely obliterated by the West, just hollowed out economically, just hundreds of a hundred million people thrown into poverty, and he's living there as a refugee, even below. These people just in this the most desperate situation you could possibly imagine. Yeah. So there's like a scene. I don't think this is. There's a scene where like a McDonald's is like the first McDonald's. Yeah. In St. Petersburg or whatever. Moscow. Yeah. Moscow is being opened and like against the backdrop of that, he is getting like harassed by Russian corrupt Russian soldiers, mm-hmm. and it's just like that. Like yeah, it's so awful and mm-hmm. so rough. Yeah. Like that, I think, I remember like like that scene, because there's other stuff that happens in that scene that just like makes my heart just like drop through the floor. Yeah. It's like really terrible, really, really awful. Mm-hmm. An upsetting watch, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Deeply. Oh, and in our list on a kind of... <laughs> yeah, well, yes, we still got... Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, we'll get there at some point, I believe it. But yeah, so that's Flea, and so... Speaking of your number one, PJ, uh, I don't think it's on anybody else's, but why don't you go ahead and talk about it? Yeah, so my number one film is The Card Counter, directed by Paul Schrader. Number 13. Okay, yeah. I haven't seen it. So, yeah. I'll try not to get angry or... (laughs) 
while talking about this movie. So I'm going to reveal something because I feel like it's really important. It's not really a spoiler because you kind of figure out about it probably before halfway through the film. But it's important for what I want to talk about with the film. So the it's sort of centers around Oscar Isaac is the titular card counter. He's this like ascetic who drives from casino to casino playing cards counts cards obviously he takes small winnings so he can remain anonymous we see him in his motel rooms he covers everything up with these gray sheets so as to just remove all stimuli from his life and we learn the reason that he's doing this is because it's sort of an act of reflective asceticism and self-punishment because he was a prison guard at Abu Ghraib which was the American torture prison in Iraq where we committed numerous, numerous war crimes. And um, just the way that the film treats just the brutality and the crimes and the sort of cosmic horror of the United States in the post-war era is just so incredibly unique and something I haven't seen in really any other film. Really only on par with his previous film where he sort of discusses, you know, American capitalism's role in just obliterating the earth. Um, and so, so basically, to get back to the story, he's this card counter, he's doing this, he sort of comes across these two other characters. One is uh, La Linda, played by Tiffany Haddish, who's really, really excellent in this mm. role. Mm-hmm. Love her. And I think her first dramatic thing, and she's fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. She wasn't um, she, on the count of three. Yeah, okay. normally does comedy. Yeah. But um, she's like this, she represents a stable, which is sort of this thing where like investors in a card player and they give them the money to play in big tournaments. And so they, and then they split the winnings or whatever. And so that's how she's like basically an investor or whatever. Um, And she wants to work with Oscar Isaac because she sees that he's a really good cards player. And yeah, but there's also sort of a romantic interest there. Um, And then the other person he meets is Kirk, who is this young kid who his father um, also was a prison guard at Abu Ghraib. And so his father ended up like beating the shit out of him and then ended up killing himself. He's subsequently sort of dedicated his life to making sure the people who were, you know, the higher-ups, the management at this prison, like meet violent ends. And so he meets these people at at these points and they sort of become like a a trio as he travels between casino and casino or whatever but yeah I mean Oscar Isaac in this film is just absolutely fucking unbelievable like there's just on a dime he flips to this level of intensity that is unmatched in really any performance I've ever seen in any movie like there's this one scene in particular where it's where he and Kirk are first getting acquainted and they go to this restaurant. He's explaining some, the best hand he's ever seen or whatever. And then they start talking about Abu Ghraib because this is like Kirk's obsession. And he just like flips a switch and it's just the camera pans in really close to his face. And the intensity that you feel in that scene is just so, it's so palpable and it's so proper to what they're talking about. Like, I just like, like if you know anything about me, like this is something that will like, <laughs> Like, I just, like, I don't know, I spent a lot of time on this stuff, and it just, like, resonated so deeply with me. And, like, just, like, this, just the the violent shaking anger that, like, 
some of the stuff that you see in this film, we see some depictions of what Abu Ghraib was like, and it's just some of the most horrifying things you'll ever see, and only eclipsed by the reality of what actually happened, and, like, just like, but then there's, like, interwoven with that is these this little story uh, of Oscar, or Oscar Isaac and uh, Tiffany Haddish's character, just like this strangely surreal but beautiful romantic relationship that like buds and these moments where it sort of penetrates that just unending like brutality and darkness. Um, and it's just like, I don't know, that just represents Schrader's like inherent, you know, you know, romanticism or whatever, but I don't know, I guess I'm rambling at this point. I don't know if anyone else wants to say anything about it, mm -hmm. but it just like, the feeling, sorry, uh, one more it's thing. It's okay, keep going. It's it, your number one. The, it gave me the same feeling as, like, you know, when you see pictures of just Yemeni children, like, skin and bone, and it's just, like, the same... Sorry. Do you need a moment we can talk about it? No, that's okay. I okay. Can... You, you want to share? Yeah, I went in not knowing the political background of the film. I literally thought it was just a movie about a guy who cheated at cards. Yeah, I would have no idea that this was that what that was about. <laughs> I was like, oh, is it this going to be just like a fun movie about a guy scamming casinos? And it wasn't that. I would say it's very, it's a very cynical movie. As I think, I don't know. I mean, I don't really agree with that. I think the ending is just like. Just this deeply beautiful, strange, you know, I don't want to say what happens, but it's it's not really entirely, um, yeah, I don't know. There's this vibe, I mean, I guess it's definitely a very dark film, but it totally appreciates what it's talking about in a, in literally, just like a perfect, it's perfect in every way. And, you know, there's this violence that underlies the entire film and we don't see it. Um, but it's there, and it's just, it translates I think it's that. about inescapable violence. And can I just say, this is really interesting, because, like, knowing what I know about you and, like, what you, like, study and our what past conversations we've had, I, like, understand why it, like, affects you in that way, and that's, you have a very unique reading of it, as I think... Because, like, from what I understand, it wasn't, like, the best-reviewed film of the year, but I no, think... No, it is. I mean, uh, it's pretty. It's, it's pretty good. Yeah. Okay. It's not like yeah. It's not like worst person. I mean, there's a lot okay. of people who give it number one, but there's not a lot of people. Anyway. Okay. Yeah. Well, I don't. I yeah. Well, anyways. I definitely have a unique perspective. Yeah. No, I've seen some dissenting opinions to it at least, sure. but I think that yeah, it's because people don't necessarily have that same reading, and I think that now that you've told me that, that will like definitely influence. The way that, because now I like, I have had no, again, I've had no interest in seeing this movie, but now that you've like said it, right? I that's mean, yeah, something think, that I'm going to carry yeah. with me, and I think will inform the way that I re that I view it. Yeah, the, I think the reason for that is the sort of underbelly of the film is, you know, he's going from casino to casino in like trenches of America. Yeah, I was and, gonna say, like, you know, just these like, you know, gaudy, horrible mm -hmm. places, you know, fucking Atlantic City, you know, just like. And that's, like, where the film, like, that's sort of just, like, the underlying environment of the film. But it, like, it serves the the psychological response of Oscar Isaac's character really well. Yeah. So. And especially, like, you know, having written stories and things before, the amount of research that you put into something 
but don't actually convey explicitly through your story is really interesting because, but it definitely informs the way that you write something. And sometimes not like, not like anybody should be expected to know. Like, I think that it probably works well on its own, but I think it's just only enhanced by knowing more of what the writer knows about it. And can serve to getting to his meaning more. Yeah, I mean, it's probably a disservice to our generation because we weren't really present during the Iraq War. So mm-hmm. I'm gonna stick to my guns and still say it's a cynical. Movie. Well, I think I think by cynical, I I I think for me, it's a cathartic ending for sure. There's a, there, if you watch First Reformed, I think there's a similar catharsis, but I think the catharsis is very dark in how it's achieved. And so yeah, for I think sure, well, for I, what precedes it, yeah. Yeah, for what like, precedes it, yeah. I mean, generally speaking, yeah. yeah but but I mean, I don't know if you know what that last shot is, but it's literally the last shot of Pickpocket, the Brasson film. Interesting. Which I he's do. been basically trying to recreate his entire career. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, yeah, I I can see why you would say that, and I think it's true to some extent. Good. I just think the way that that romantic story culminates, um, yeah. there's. It's obviously not like a typical way of showing that. But mm-hmm. There's, you know, it carries with the surreal beauty, which it comes out in yeah. other moments, mm-hmm. such as the light show, which is a fantastic scene. But yeah. yeah. Is it available on any streaming services? Do you you know? probably have to rent it, I think. Yeah. Um, it's like, there's the kid, Kirk, whose dad was also one of the torturers, and mm-hmm. I think I spent a lot of time thinking about how. So, uh, Oscar Isaac and the kid's dad, they get, like, scapegoated for the crimes, and they are the ones that have to, like, serve prison time and everything, and so the plot with Kirk's dad is that he gets, like, addicted to drugs, is a horrible father, uh, and, like, I spent a lot of time thinking about that, like, inescapable violence, the, the the, like, repercussions of that reaching all the way into Kirk, and Oscar Isaac is, like... Like, he knows it, so he's trying to, like, not... Mm. He's trying to save Kirk, essentially. And so I thought about this most... This was what I was mostly thinking about, but, like, that kind of is why I think it's a cynical... Like, you say catharsis, like, dark catharsis, sure. But I also, like, I'm like, that's really fucking depressing. Mm-hmm. Like, Yeah, I think it's, um, in regards to the character of Kirk, like, I don't know if you guys saw him first reformed. Um, I have yeah. not finished it, like, I don't think. They're similar in that, like, it's these people who were, are intimate to, in, intimate to, in, sorry, intimately connected to these grander, like, globe-encompassing crimes. And then, like, sort of, they've, they've pushed inward in response to that, but then they see that this is, like, affecting the younger generation, and it turns them in a different direction. Um... And I, I, I just think that's an interesting parallel between the two films. Like, the way that he sort of reframes the penance that he wants to do mm-hmm. um, through the lens of this young kid is, is really interesting. Uh, yeah. There was, there was the, the moment in the film where I, like, audibly gasped. I was like, oh, no. Yeah. Y'all are giving me too many movies to watch. Is it when they go to the motel? Well, when he like, okay, no, it's oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Where he's like, wish you were here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and I was but. like, 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um It's yeah. Those scenes are just brutal. really like gutsy. Yeah. But they I I, I do want to say one more thing about the way that they do those scenes in Abu Ghraib. Mm-hmm. So he does this in a way that I don't think any other director would do it, and it's insanely jarring. And I mean, the the way he, like, the actual lens he shoots it very noticeable. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah it's just like a sensory overload, and mm-hmm. it just heightens everything. Like, yeah. 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 yeah, okay, yeah. That's, yeah. yeah. But, but yeah, so I think that's, that's the card counter, PJ's number one that's of the year. Um, we'll go to my number one of the year, which is also Stephanie's number 10 of the year. Um, which is uh, Come On, Come On, um, directed by Mike Mills. Black and white film starring Joaquin Phoenix, uh, Gabby Hoffman, Woody Norman, Scoop McNary. Um, uh, the film follows uh, Joaquin Phoenix, who plays like a sort of radio documentary sort of, pre- like think of like NPR. Ira Glass. Yeah, and the NPR, Ira Glass sort of sit- uh, figure. And he's on this project across the country to sort of interview kids about what they think about the future. But during this, uh, his sister, played by Gabby Hoffman, who he's been estranged from ever um, ever since their mother's death, which is all pretty re- revealed, like, like first few shots of the movie. But uh, she has to go take care of her husband, or, uh, or ex-husband, I forget, who is suffering from bipolar, and so he has to take care of her kid, his nephew, played by Woody Norman. I, 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 I cried so much in this movie. Um, there was a lot of me saying, I'm not going to cry, I'm not going to cry, and then I cried. Um, <laughs> and uh, I, I didn't cry. I think I, I cried because the movie is so honest and sweet. I mean, I've been thinking about this a lot, and I feel like a lot of people, when, you know, when I hear folks saying I want to talk about this emotion because it means this, this, and this, I... I, I, I really, I, I'm recognizing that a lot of the movies I really love are so honest in their approach to what the emotions they're trying to get at. And sometimes, you know, that's not everybody's approach to telling stories, but I think Mike Mills is very concerned with this idea. Um, he tends to write a lot. If you've watched any of his previous movies, 20th Century Women and Beginners, I think are his two most well-known. He had another one in the mid-2000s, but... Those were talking about his his father and beginners, his mother in 20th Century Women, and this is sort of him trying to talk about his son. I think sort of the struggles of sort of being a good parent are very on display in this, and I think what struck me the most was the was is the relationship between Joaquin and the kid played by Woody Norman who I think gives one of the best child performances I think I've ever seen in my life, to the point where if you watch the film, he's British, and I did not know that for months until I watched it, <laughs> until until he I heard him talking afterwards, and I was very confused. But I, I, I think you're sort of struggling, I think, as we grow up to sort of understand why the world is and our anxieties about what it's becoming are slowly being, like, revealed as, like, I get older. I'm like, oh, I feel like I'm getting... There's like this little fear of me. I'm like, I'm getting closer to like the end of the world and also the end of my life. And so I really appreciate the the relationship that Joaquin tries to build with his nephew who he's been estranged from. And it is quite funny how he does it because like they, they all like him, his sister, they both admit they don't really know how to take care of a child. And I feel like a lot of, um, 
in a lot of movies, like, it seems like, oh, the parent knows exactly what to do. I mean, that's movies, life, it seems like we all sort of aspire to think our parents know what they're doing when they raise us. And think of the lost daughter when it's like, it's the most terrifying thing to raise a child and not know how to really teach them emotions, like, like big concepts of the world. Um, but the respect that is shown, I think, is just so... Uh, it it made me cry just like thinking like how 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 much respect Mike Mills treats the character treats the child and therefore how that relationship is perceived. It's people in like a really shitty situation just trying to trying to fix their relationship with each other, and it's so sweet how there there are a couple of scenes in in the movie towards the end that are absolutely just um are wonderful i think technically speaking robbie ryan who shot a number of other films i believe he did marriage story was his last one with noah bomback he did the black and white's really good um the score by the destner brothers who the national who did cyrano's music i think their score it's weird <laughs> that's where people would know them from and um in terms of their last film project and but um their score is absolutely one of the best scores I think of last year and I think was very criminally overlooked. Um, and I think this is walking walking absolutely I think gives it, it's a much more subtle performance, but it's I think better than what he gives in Joker personally. But I I I just there's so much and I the thing is with this movie is that I want to watch it a second time, but I'm also really scared to watch it a second time because there is a very specific emotional experience I had. There's a lot of personal reasons why I think this movie connected to me, just in terms of what was happening in my life at the time. And so, not that, that as much as I would love to share it with everybody on the internet, I think we'll chill for now. But I think it was a really sweet movie. I, I, I think it was the most emotional movie I've seen in a very, very long time. I'm not a big crier in movies, but yeah, this one made me just cry at like three o'clock on like a Sunday afternoon in like an auditorium with like two other like lonely guys. Like that that is the exact vibe that I was that that was. But um but yeah, uh Stephanie, you wanna talk about why it's number ten for you? Um there was a lot of heart. I I appreciate it was funny too. It was very funny. Um, and I was like, that's not what I was expecting, but yeah. I'm kind of into it. But I appreciated the watching the adults not be able to figure shit out mm-hmm. while they're trying to take care of this kid. Yeah, I think was really fun to watch. I liked that it was in black and white. Yeah, I I liked that a lot. And then because like um. I don't know. It just... There's, like, a scene where I think Joaquin Phoenix's character is, like, apologizing to the kid for yelling at him or something. And he has to, like, dead-ass go through instructions that his sister sent him. On, like, a PDF on his phone. Which I just thought was really funny. It was... was Yeah. (laughs) But that that scene is so good because it's funny, but it's just so sweet how hard he's trying, even though he doesn't understand what he's doing. dealing with all of these adult yeah distinctly adult problems but this kid is also going through them at the same time yeah and so it's just how they like work on that together when mm. they're both perceiving different so like he's trying to like they're trying to protect the kid um with the you know who is like worried about his dad but it's like how do you how do you explain how do you protect him how do you make 
communicate this to him without insulting him, that kind yeah. of thing. And I just thought that whole thing yeah. was very sweet. And yeah. Well like, I think we've talked about a lot of sad movies, but I cried because I think I was so happy about how just sweet this movie was. And, like, I listened to Mike Mills talk about just anything, and Mike Mills seems like the sweetest guy ever. And I just, like, want to give him a hug. He'll find that creepy. And so I understand if I get a restraining order tomorrow. (laughs) All Um, of them are going to be listening to this. Yeah, they're all listening to this. But, yeah, I I absolutely loved it. I think, PJ, you watched it, too. Did you, too, watch it? I have not seen it. It's just us. I liked it a lot. Um, Didn't really connect with me in the same way that it did for you. But yeah, I mean, I thought everything about it was well made. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a well made film. Like, yeah, and like you know, the writing is really excellent. I yeah. don't know how much of it is in the script or by yeah. the interactions, but yeah. No, that's the other thing I forgot to mention that. So it actually shows Joaquin interviewing, and they're interviewing real kids. And so there's this weird hybrid documentary aspect to uh-huh. Joaquin just is interviewing like these kids from like like the suburbs of of Detroit for instance, um, about what they're scared of, what they're what they think adults don't understand about them. And it's very like there's there's stuff about them where I'm just like, you know, I think there's a lot of movies out there that think that kids are kind of just like dumb creatures that will like watch stuff to like numb their minds. And I appreciate this movie sort of treating kids with a bit more respect. And I I absolutely love that that aspect of it for sure. Um yeah, so that's that's my number one. And so we got one more movie, and then top tens are done after we started this at about 5 o'clock, and it is now 9.41 at night. So last film, um, it is both Sydney and Maddie's number one, Stephanie's number two, and my number four of the year. Holy shit, the way I've been waiting to talk about this movie. Yeah, we did just go through three movies that you two hadn't seen. Well, no, I mean, like, since the beginning. I could could write, like, a fucking 50-page dissertation on this movie. It's so good. But uh, this movie is uh, The Power of the Dog by Jane Campion. Um, And I want to preface this by, like, with a little anecdote that I also shared in my review. But when I was uh, at home over Thanksgiving... Um, Power of the Dog had done, like, so well on the film festival circuit, and it was, like, just starting to be marketed for the Netflix release, and I was, like, not even, I wasn't part of this conversation, but I heard one of my best friend's moms talking about how weird she thought it was that Benedict Cumberbatch was cast as this, like, macho cowboy, because, like, that's not what he is. He's not really macho, and then after I watched it, I texted my friend, and I was like, tell your mom that she's so close to the point she's like right on top of it but yeah earlier in this earlier in this podcast i said that there was like some films that are like some of my favorite films of all time that came out and now that came out this year and this is like now one of my top four favorite films of all time i think every single part of it is so incredible and i think part of it is because this is like the kind of film that i would like ultimately aspire to make every jane campion is just so campion 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 yeah campion is just so on top of her craft i mean it's like you know upsetting that only two women have won the palm d'or but like she is just she's incredible she's mind-blowing she just really gets film in every sense of the word there right before I watched this film I was in a class and we discussed the notion of anima which is like the way that it was it was described to me is the feminine like if you think of it as like yin and yang there's uh an anima and an animus 
and the anima is the kind of feminine dot inside the larger side of masculinity. And I think that that is what Jane Campion plays off of so well here. It's a critique of toxic masculinity through the, or not even toxic masculinity, but just like a meditation on masculinity on the, you know, frontier of the American West in Montana in the 20s, I believe it is. Um, yeah, in the 20s. The She just imbues it with such a distinctly feminine energy that I think works to tell the story really, really well. There's so much working symbolically. It is working at all levels in terms of... I don't even think that necessarily the script is like necessarily the strongest part but the visual language the sim the symbolism of everything it is the the acting is just mind-blowing and i could sit and i could i could parse every single scene for days because there's just so many layers there yeah i feel like it's it's what the, it's what's left out that exactly is, that is like yeah the mix the film yeah so, so yeah. much of it is not directly shown it's not even it's like barely even hinted at but it just, it's enough that it, like, builds up that tension throughout the, I, I was so tense. Yeah, oh tense. Yeah. It was, uh, and, you know, it's, if you look at it, if you were to just, like, watch it, you wouldn't think it's a tense film, but it's the way that she, with every single frame, something is hinted, <laughs> and it all builds up to, like, yeah. this, like, really, like, I didn't, I, I, like, when I first watched it, I, like, didn't quite understand the ending. Um. Yeah, there's a lot of different <laughs> interpretations of that. Yeah. I really would yeah. like to like maybe I'll maybe I'll want to do a podcast about the power of the dog yeah. because I think that I interpreted it in like a distinct way that I'm not sure everybody else interpreted it and maybe that's why I like it so much because of my personal interpretation. But yeah, it's tense, but then there's also these moments of tenderness that mm-hmm. are so interesting. Like I don't know how to like I guess this isn't really a spoiler, but the scene with the handkerchief. I think about that to this day. It says so much without saying a damn word. It is like close to technical perfection for me on basically every level. Um, it is what I would aspire to make as a film as a filmmaker. Yeah, I mean, I I agree with all that. Um, I watched this at the Landmark in Shoreline on the on the big screen, and I will say this was my Letterbox review, but it it I genuinely meant it when I said that was the most tense I felt <laughs> in a movie since Uncut Gems, mm-hmm. um, in the sense that I did not know. Genuinely, it's very hard to find those movies where you don't know what you want to know what's gonna happen next, but you cannot for the life of you tell what it is. <laughs> and like this is just straight up like a Hitchcock thriller in that sense. I feel like there is a lot of suspense to a certain degree. Oh, oh, I, 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 oh. I, 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 I personally think that um, there's a. I, I agree. The ambigu- the ambiguity of the ending was certainly very powerful. I was just gonna say it's really interesting because the ending is not ambiguous to me at all. But that's no, like I mean, something that that's something that we can like go into. I I would really like to no 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 I, I, about I, it, but I like it's not for me. I knew what happened. I didn't know how it happened necessarily. If that makes I feel like I know I exactly mean, like, how it happened. The intent, like, yeah, the no no no. I understand the intent. I understood the results of the ending. I don't know how how it happened, and that's where the ambiguity for me was. I know exactly. <laughs> No, no, I get it. No, it's just friends. Yeah. No, I get it. Yeah, I get but it. I mean, like... I could just... I want to talk in specifics, but yeah. I know that this isn't the forum for yeah, it, but... But, like, Johnny Greenwood. Yes. Third time we... we... Shout out Johnny Greenwood. Yeah. 
This this yes. should theoretically be his Oscar win, finally after like how many years? Because this score is not very many. Yeah, he hasn't been doing it for very long. I mean, two thousand seven. That's like what fifteen years. Has he been? What was what there? Will be blood. Okay. Yeah, um. but um, and so I think that I mean R. E. Wagner's cinematography is stunning. Mm-hmm. Um. And yeah, like I just I've I've heard so many podcasts. I would recommend to anybody that's listening. There is a pod, the Mark Barron's podcast. Um, Benedict Cumberbatch went on there. They straight up had a fight about the about the ending. Both of them did, and it's really interesting. You have to see the movie because there's spoilers. What's it and, called? Um, it's WTF with Mark Barron, okay. but it's really I'm good. Um, there, it's like a ten minute segment where they're just like talking about sort of the philosophy behind what the ending means. Um, and I... It's really interesting in terms of their viewpoints, but I, I think there's a lot to think that the film leaves you thinking about. The reason it's not higher for me is, and this was an interesting thing, was that, so I saw it at the landmark, and then the second time, because I heard, so, th- there is definitely rewatch value. Like, once you rewatch it, there's a different meaning to w- once you know how the movie ends, but I didn't have the same experience, and the thing is for me, I don't know if it's because I saw it on, like, a TV, or if it's the... The, the the unpredictability was such a big factor in that first viewing. But either way, I think it's like Jane, one of Jane Campion's best films. I've only seen the two of hers. So, I, <laughs> so you have no idea. I have no idea. But but yeah, I I think for sure. Um, some of the, I love that the four big uh, um, people in the cast. I mean. Yeah. Benedict Cumberbatch, Kirsten Dunst, Jesse Plemons, Cody Smith, McBee all give really good performances and all were nominated, which is a wonderful thing to know in life. But. I will say earlier in this segment, or early in this podcast, we were talking about how like we don't always agree with the Oscars, which is like very fair, but I was pretty stoked when I saw that Power of the Dog got nominated for so much. I really hope that Benedict Cumberbatch wins Best Actor. Yeah, I, I. You had it on your list too. It's yeah. my number two. Yeah, so wanna wanna. Oh, I mean, it was really good. <laughs> I'm running out of like positive adjectives at this point in the night, <laughs> but I I thought it built like it built up the tension really well, and we got to the ending, and I was like, oh, I see, like. I don't know. And, like, I think the the scene that I come back to... Okay, I guess Benedict Cumberbatch's character is a bit of an asshole in this movie. That's a, a little that's fair. Um, <laughs> but there's the scene where Kirsten Dunst is just trying to play piano. Oh, my God. And he's just being this oh my goodness. massive asshole. And, like, there's no... Kirsten Dunst never... There's no confrontation. It's just discomfort. It boils. And it boils just, under the surface. Yeah, it just simmers. And then just... I just it was just really good. I I agree. That's a scene that sticks out to me, too. That's one that I think of a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Again, it says so much without saying a single thing. Mm-hmm. And as, like, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm in, like, a screenwriting class this quarter. And, like, I feel like I've learned just, like, a lot about screenwriting in this particular class. But that is something that is like really a, a valuable asset is to be able to communicate things without saying anything. Mm-hmm. Like, I have a, I have a book slightly tangential i have a book of orchestral excerpts and in the index there's some like instructions on how to behave in an orchestra and one of the lines is never ever ever play someone else's solo when anyone can hear you interesting and that's like proper orchestral etiquette and so i'm watching that scene and i'm like oh my god 
He's <laughs> such an asshole right now. He I mean, is. they're not it's even like, in an orchestra, but it's the same idea. He's such an asshole, but I've, like, written a backstory for him in my own mind that, like, I don't know. He's very layered to me in my own perception of him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It definitely doesn't do him justice to just say. Yeah. Just I need to share the box list that I found. Oh, yeah, I saw that list. It was great. Yeah. I just, one interesting thing, I don't know. I sort of had a reaction when you said it was like a Hitchcock thriller. I don't know. I mean, like, you all seem to agree that, like, the tension sort of builds. Um, it's not the biggest thing. It was me. so different for me. I felt like as the film went on, the tension gets dissipated. Mm-hmm. And then it sort of obviously comes to a head at the end or whatever. But, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, re- I really like this movie um, for sure. Um but yeah, I don't know. I it seems like I got a completely different experience. It's very yeah. I can understand that though. I, think. I, mean, I guess it being tense was not the thing that I was focusing on. The thing that yeah, I was I focusing on. I would on not was, associate that word with the movie. Nah. I think it is definitely like an, an emotion that I experienced, but it was not the prevailing emotion that I experienced. Like it is a way to describe a relationship in film, multiple relationships in the film, but I don't feel like yeah it describes the film at least for my from my point of view it doesn't describe the film in the way that I saw it I see what I see what you're saying mm-hmm. Interesting. I, I would I would explore that except I would have to talk about the details of the film mm-hmm. can I we please do a podcast about this because we can absolutely do a podcast definitely the first movie where I was like wow Ben and Cumberjack Cumberbatch actually really good in this <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, no. not so much. He but has yeah. been nominated for an Oscar before, but I think that this is much more oh, yeah. appropriate. Yeah. Yeah. This yeah, is, I think, actually, the best performance I think I've ever seen in film. Yeah. I think uh, the most important character in the film, I would say. Yeah, I think people... This may be a hot take, but like, I don't really think that Jesse Plemons' character did much for me in that movie. Well, I think this what is... What do you mean by did much? Like, he's nominated for Best Supporting Actor... But, like, I don't even, like, really remember, like, much about him in the I mean, movie. I think the That's thing... That's kind of the point. Yeah, I think the thing... He's, I mean, like, the fucking runt of the two of them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, I think the other thing with Jesse Plemons is that he is probably one of the most natural actors, I think, I've... I, oh, no, I, 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 I know him. Today. So, uh, I love him. I mean, <laughs> He yeah. plays pathetic. He does. He does. I mean, he does. well, I mean, he does game that, night. but then... I mean, game night. But, like, he also plays, like, fucking psychopath and Breaking Bad. Like that's I care. yeah I care about USS Bruce. Callister yes USS right? Callister as USS well Callister. Like, terrifying yeah he's but no, even he's in that right. he's like also I'm thinking very pathetic, pathetic. Yeah. he's pathetic in that he has I mean I will say he has impeccable taste I think it was like four out of the last five years he's been in a best best picture and I'm like really good job yeah, yeah. he's yeah. Irishman Irishman Judas and the Black Messiah I kind of forgot that he was an Vice. Irishman yeah he's a uh, He's great in that movie, actually. He's pathetic in that movie yeah. as well. In which exactly. one? <laughs> the Irishman. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> he's now, he'll be in Killers of the Flower Moon. He's the main star. So. Is he going to be likable in that one? I want something where I can really He's an FBI him. agent. No. God dang it. <laughs> well, the oh, FBI goodness. agent's supposedly the good person, and Leonardo oh, DiCaprio's the bad person. Yet. So Yeah, no. Supposedly. Jesse is incredible. Yeah. I just, it, it kind of came out of the left field for me and him. Yeah. For me, for him to be nominated. Mm, that is 
Yeah. What is Cody nominated for? Also best supporting? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. They're going to fight. I mean, he's probably... I think he's going to win, but... Over, yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah. like, that kid... That kid freaked me out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The narrowest person I've ever seen. In my life. <laughs> that... This isn't giving anything away, but the scene where he just stands outside hula hooping <laughs> is, like, the oh most God. bone-chilling thing <laughs> for some reason. Like, with an intensity. Too. I know. Yeah. He's like... Intensely hula hoops, you know, like the subtitles. Yeah, yeah something about that kid is just not right. Oh, yeah. Anyways. But yeah. Like to wrap this up. Yeah. Uh, so that was our. Those were our t- the, the in-depth look at the ten films. Do y'all want to just recap yeah. the ten through one um, for your films? Okay, I'll go first. Mine ten to one. Come on, come on. Parallel Mothers, Mass, Drive My Car, Spencer, The French Dispatch, Titan, The Worst Person in the World, Power of the Dog, and Flea. Okay, mine is number 10 is A Hero, number 9 is Ama, number 8 is Licorice Pizza, number 7 is Dune, number 6 is The Green Knight, number 5 is Azor, number 4 is Sardar Udham, number 3 is The Worst Person in the World, number 2 is Drive My Car, and number 1 is The Card Counter. Uh, For me, number 10 is West Side Story, number 9 is Spencer, number 8 is The Green Knight, number 7 is The Worst Person in the World. Number six is Mass. Number five is Shiva Baby. Number four is The Power of the Dog. Number three is Titan. Number two is Drive My Car. And number one is Come On, Come On. Uh, for me, it was number 10 was Zola. Number nine was Titan. Number eight was Spencer. Number seven, French Dispatch. Number six, Beans. Number five, Dune. Number four, Worst Person in the World. Number three, The Last Duel. Number two, The Green Knight. And number one, Power of the Dog. For me, number 10 is Pig. Number nine is Zola. Number eight is The Green Knight. Number seven is Dune. Number six is The French Dispatch. Number five is Licorice Pizza. Number four is Red Rocket. Number three is Spencer. And as it stands, number two is The Worst Person in the World. And number one is Power of the Dog. But I think I would switch those. Really? Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So if you're interested in this learning more about UW Film Club and you like this podcast, you can follow us at Film Club UW on Twitter and Instagram. Um, if you like this conversation and you want to check out more of our conversations, ideally you listen to part one. But if you haven't, you can check out all our episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud and Google Play. Um, I want to thank Maddie, Sydney, Stephanie and PJ for all being here today um, for a It's 10 p.m. Holy shit. Okay, well, that's it for us next week. Um, Thank you all, and uh, we'll see you in the next one. Join us next week when Roman and I fist fight over the ambiguity in Power of the Dog.